Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, presented by Paul Spain and Anne Guess. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 184. I'm Paul Spain. And I'm Bill Bennett. Welcome along, Bill. Great to have you on the show. As always, Paul. Love it being here. Now, uh... The question I always ask you, but you know, th- th- we often have new listeners or people that may not have uh, caught you on the show before, so just remind us where you fit into the technology world in New Zealand. I'm a journalist. I write about technology. I've been writing about technology in New Zealand since the 1980s, um, and I have my own website, billbennett.co.nz. Excellent. Well, let's jump straight into our news bites for the week. Uh, first up, we've heard... Uh, this was reported by um, by Ars Technica, but it's it's been uh, been around the web that uh, the security surrounding uh, Bitcoin and uh, for for those who uh, aren't familiar with Bitcoin, Bitcoin's a um, a digital currency that was designed in such a manner uh, that no one could, in theory, really be able to control it. Very decentralized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> what what we've heard is that. Uh, there is actually a potential issue, and that's if um, if one miner, as they call them, um, were to have uh, 51% of the power of the Bitcoin network. And in that case, all sorts of crazy things could, uh, could happen. And, well, it turns out uh, in, the, in, uh, in recent days that uh, that's happened on a couple of occasions. So, uh, yeah, Ghash, who uh, bills themselves as the number one crypto and Bitcoin mining pool, uh, have passed that uh, 51% for um, for a few blocks of time. So, yeah, all those who thought that this whole, um, you know, online virtual currency thing was, uh, was perfect and, and um, yeah, that there were no issues with it, I guess after... Uh, after some of the various issues we've had in the last few months, this uh, this just adds to them. I trust nothing. Bill, would you put all your uh, all your money into Bitcoin and trust it? No, I wouldn't. I, I mean, I can see that. I can see why it's um, a good idea. I can see why it's popular. I can see what's you know some of the arguments in favour of it. But would I trust it? No. <laughs> all right, on to uh, on to the next item. Yeah. Oh, the next item um, on. Well, it's Wednesday is the official time, but it'll be Thursday morning in New Zealand. Amazon is launching a new smartphone, and there's been a lot of excitement around the web about what that smartphone may or may not be. There's been a, a viral video that's done the rounds with people um, getting rather excited looking at something, which apparently is the phone. Um, among the rumours are that it might have a 3D display. It certainly has. Um, it's rumoured to have five front-facing cameras so that it can spot gestures and so on um and the other interesting talk about the phone is whether amazon is going to be using it as a sort of marketing thing and uh, in other words do they intend to run it as making money from a phone or do they intend to uh, make money from the amazon business using the phone um we'll all we'll know everything on thursday morning i imagine well, we'll look forward to discussing. We'll look forward to discussing that one uh, a little bit more next week. Now, also from uh, Amazon, uh, they have gone ahead and uh, launched their Amazon Prime Music. Now, this is aimed at uh, 
the US market at this stage. Uh, but what Amazon Prime started out as was a, a uh, annual subscription, and I think uh, started out at uh, 60 or 70 US dollars. And at that stage, Amazon was all about selling books and, and products online, which of course is, is you know, still predominantly what they do. Uh, but that subscription would give you, in the US, free shipping. So you can order as often as you like, and there would be no charge for uh, for shipping on on most items. They certainly didn't didn't cover everything, uh, but a pretty good arrangement. Then they bumped it up, uh, bumped up the, what you got with that subscription to also included a Netflix style capability of uh, movie and TV streaming within your subscription. Uh, in between times, they bumped up the, uh, the the price of Amazon Prime, uh, but now their uh, their latest edition is uh, Prime Music, which is uh, unlimited ad-free music streaming. Although the catalog's not as big as uh, as some of the, the, the big boys out there, Spotify and Xbox Music and, uh, and so on, um, having that bundled into the subscription, I think, will be, uh, will be reasonably enticing for people. Ah, oh, Sky and Orcon. Are they getting together? That's the um, the story appeared on the weekend um, in, the, I think it was stuff.co.nz site uh, from Tom Pullestrecker saying that um, it looks very much as though tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll hear that Sky has bought Orcon. Now, there's um, Tom joined up the, um, the dots on this story that um, Orcon is reputed to have a buyer and Sky is making an announcement on Wednesday and it's a pretty good bit of dot joining up um the thing is is it could be a marriage made in heaven um in this sky has skies overseas um, equivalents have do have isps and they do distribute movies and so on via the net it gives them the bandwidth which they're never really going to get from a satellite particularly with high definition pictures and movies and so on coming in the problem is is that even if you take the most um optimistic numbers orcon is about five percent of the market um sixty thousand customers it's probably got a few less now right now the other thing is is that orcon's customers well there was this guy who's advertising orcon earlier this year called kim.com and his i've heard of him yeah and his customers all but the kind of audience that he's likely to attract might not be the kind of people that someone who owns content are happy with so there's a couple of conflicts in there if that happens. But the biggest thing of all is is that um, Sky's going to have an uphill battle um, growing the market share of that company above 5%. So I've concluded that if they are going to buy, if Sky is going to buy Orcon, that either means that they're going to be doing a deal or buying someone else in the market or they've got some kind of compelling offer up their sleeve which they're going to be offering, which clearly bundles content with internet um but that might cannibalize the rest of their business so it's going to be interesting to see how they how they um get away with this how they how they work this one yeah this will be uh, it'll be an interesting interesting one to watch i'm i'm not a hundred percent convinced they're going to make such an announcement uh, no i'm not convinced it's it, it may not be the announcement but if it is well, it's going to be a really interesting thing to watch. Agreed. Now, uh, there was a whole lot that happened. Obviously, uh, E3, which is, is, is generally the, uh, well, it's very much the, the, the games uh, 
event of the year. Uh, but one of the uh, one of the announcements there that relates uh, to us down under is apparently um, Sony's uh, new product, the PlayStation TV, which has actually been available in Japan since last year on the the uh, the Vita TV name. Uh, that's uh, been announced and uh, apparently also coming to New Zealand and Australia. And this will be a little set-top box uh, around the $99 US price point. So uh, we'll probably launch in New Zealand somewhere in the $150 to $200 uh, range. And this will allow you to uh, to do game streaming on it. So uh, you'll be able to uh, basically be, be playing uh, games from... from uh, uh, the cloud, and I think uh, link link up to uh, to your PlayStation with it, and more likely than not, uh, will also end up with uh, Netflix streaming and that type of capability yeah. uh, to it. So another competitor in that space, but very different, and that this is aimed uh, at the gaming space. And the uh, the Vita reference, which it's called in uh, in the Japanese market, uh, relates to the fact that it will be able to uh, operate PlayStation Vita games. So uh, the the portable um, device. Uh, games will will be able to uh, actually play on this uh, little ninety nine dollar set top box. It's becoming a very busy sector. The um, add ons, hardware add ons for televisions, mm. um, set top boxes, and so on. Well, it does make it a little bit harder for uh, for for smart TV capabilities to stand out when uh, all of these little boxes there are uh, new ones being launched all the time. Uh, or, or upgrades being done to the existing ones. And I guess being Sony, it's going to be another content play. Sony still owns huge catalogue of movies and so on. Yep, and 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 it's getting those games out to more people, and uh, yeah. you know the broader audience they can they can do that to the uh, the better from from their perspective. Uh, now let's jump into uh, um, product discussions and and so on for uh, for this episode. Um, first up, we've got the ThinkPad X1 Carbon here now. Uh, Bill, we we got this a little while back, but um, I think there was a fault with the unit that we got, and that does happen sometimes because often we get uh, pre-production uh, units um, because we we uh, we we bully uh, the various people at these companies <laughs> to to give us an early hands-on. Um, but I, hopefully, it wasn't something I did. But uh, anyway, the previous one of these wasn't wasn't working too well. Um, but we've we've got one here now. This is a 14-inch Ultrabook from uh, Lenovo, and I guess it sort of stands out from the other uh, Lenovo ThinkPads in that it is. Uh, very, very, you know, sleek. Very much that Ultrabook sort of uh, form factor, uh, but with a bigger screen than a lot of the Ultrabooks, being a, a fourteen inch. Whereas, you know, some of them coming down to those sort of thirteen point three and and even smaller it's a, it's uh, a, it's screens. A, it's a lovely piece of kit, but it's I I was just playing with it a bit earlier, and it's very much a business tool. It's not a toy. It's not a it's not a fun thing. It's it's a tool for working with. Which you know, which is good, and that's why we buy ThinkPads because they're great working tools. Um, it's a bit controversial on the keyboard, as you pointed out. Yes, yeah, there, there's some interesting stuff around the keyboard, isn't there? Uh, in in that, what the keyboard uh, does in a couple of places is very unique. So, top right hand corner, you've got uh, your backspace and delete yeah. next to each other, which, which isn't normal. Uh, you've normally got delete sitting above your backspace. Um, the other thing that is is really uh, unique in terms of the keyboard layout is where your caps lock is. 
Yeah, I'm not so worried about that. I mean, so there's no caps lock no. key as such. Instead, there's a home and end key where the caps lock usually is. Uh, but instead, you just tap the shift key twice as you as you might do on a smartphone, yeah. and that does your caps lock for you. Now, th- those have sort of stirred up a bit of controversy with people saying that oh, we don't like these. You know, this this big change. The other one is the change of the function keys across the top, which have moved to uh, sort of virtual keys. And what what you see is the actual capabilities of those keys uh, change, and they've actually got a digital. There's sort of a, a display basically for each key, and what that key does will change according to what app you're in. So and the icon in, on the and, key will yeah. change. Yeah. So if you're in Internet Explorer, you you've got something for for your browser. Uh, if you're in a, a spreadsheet, you've got something different again. Um, and if you're in a, I guess, in certain apps, uh, you might get the F1 to, to F12 in, in, instead of those icons. But uh, yeah. Well, the key thing for me is um, what I look for in a laptop is whether the keyboard is something you can touch type on. That's what I've, I mean, that's what I do. I've been touch typing now for longer than I care to to remember, <laughs> but it's many, many years. And um, I, I gave that a bit of a workout earlier and it's fine it's it's great for touch typing lenovo um, have always had a reputation for having really good keyboards um some but the problem with the lenovo is that it can be hit and miss some models in the range don't and you've really got to get some hands on to check you know, if you're looking for a, a strong keyboard if you're a, a um you know heavy keyboard user like i am um I think it's a I think it's a beautiful piece of kit, and the pricing is starts around two thousand, about two grand, yeah. And that's it. for a business machine, that's a good price. Yeah, I, I agree. That's um, yeah, that, that's a fair starting point. Uh, I mean, when you get the full blown configuration with more storage and 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 whatnot, I think the machines can go up in the sort of three thousand, uh, you know, odd odd direction. But that's pretty there, no- yeah. Yeah. that's pretty normal uh, by the time you add the sort of three year on site warranty and all those sorts of. Uh, uh, options, but for a serious business machine, I mean, uh, you know, it makes sense to be productive. You work that out over three years. If it's a you know thousand dollars a year, uh, still good. You know, that, still that, good. that's not a lot to have the right uh, the right tools for your job. Beautiful screen, um, lovely construction, as as you'd expect with Lenovo. Um, touch screen, of course. It's a it's a really nice piece of kit. I think I'd like one. Thanks. <laughs> yes, and the other thing we were chatting about is uh, is is the dock now. What we've seen is that move to these sort of ultrabooks or sleeker and and, and slimmer um, Intel-based laptops is that the docking ports in a lot of them that you know business users were used to have sort of disappeared. Now Lenovo have taken a sort of an in-between approach with um, with the X1 Carbon, in that it it uses what looks quite like one of the the USB docks that we've been seeing uh, you know at the very low end of of business machines. Uh, and and so on. Uh, so they've got this dock that that looks a little bit like that, but it's it's unique in the in the uh, connection that it's got. And uh, what what that connection does is it actually provides power to the laptop. It provides a USB connection out to the dock, uh, but it also has sufficient uh, pins to be able to carry the video signal straight out from the dock. Uh, which significantly Im- improves the uh, the docking situation uh, compared to the USB docks where you need power, then you need USB, and if your video is going purely over the, v- the USB, you need special uh, video drivers that often don't perform as well. But this is actually using the, um, the onboard 
video and then pushing that out to the dock, which and makes a huge Im- difference. Importantly, it's all of that with one power socket. You need one power socket, which you know those things would probably require two or three power sockets in the normal run of um, uh, things. So yes, again, nice, nice. nice. Yeah, yeah. The, the Lenovo yeah. is actually um, pretty hot kit coming out of that company. Interestingly, they don't do very well in the New Zealand market. So I saw the um, the sales figures, you know, recently for PC vendors in New Zealand. I think it was the top five, and I don't think Lenovo no. were on the list at all. Uh, whereas worldwide now, they're uh, they're up to they're up to number one. I guess that's because it's run out of Australia. And yeah, it is interesting. They don't have a huge uh, a huge presence here uh, lo- locally uh, in in New Zealand. Um, yeah, compared to HP, which has so many various you know parts of its uh, its business, and uh, yeah, very very strong, and and that's seen in their market share, which is uh, well north of uh, of forty percent in the in the New Zealand market. So something that they certainly yeah. Well, uh, HP's uh, invested yeah. in New Zealand. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> they, they've they've I think that you know they they've earned by you know as you say investing in into the market. Um, now, I wanted to chat a little bit about uh, Telecom and Vodafone uh, from a, a roaming uh, perspective as a, as a traveller because we, we heard just, uh, just in the last uh, two, two or three weeks, we heard about Vodafone launching this idea of uh, you know, $5 a day to travel and to take with you your New Zealand plan. So when I headed off to Hong Kong and Taiwan, I was uh, I was thinking, oh, this is great. I'm going to get to try this uh, this roaming out. The thing is, is Vodafone. I th- think is working. There's two things going on here. One is is that Vodafone can do this where there's another Vodafone. So you go to Australia or the UK, there's Vodafone, and that's very easy for them to do the, to run this kind of deal. The other thing is is um, and I didn't hear it from Vodafone this time round, so I wasn't at the function. But when I went to a previous function, they talked about roaming. Um, there was very much a focus on which places New Zealanders go to most. Mm, mm. And I guess Hong Kong and Taiwan wouldn't be those places. Well, yeah, it's it's, it's interesting. But, uh, yeah, in, in this case, what I found was that $5 option wasn't available from, oh. from Vodafone. And if I had decided to use the amount of data that I wanted to use uh, on Vodafone's network, um, I might have had to mortgage my house or the, find a Starbucks. The numbers were <laughs> the numbers were pretty uh, yeah. were pretty hefty. Put it put it that way. Uh, so what did I do? Well, I uh, I decided. Well, I can uh, I'll use my my uh, my telecom handset. So. Um, now this isn't going to work for everyone because most most people uh, aren't going to be uh, you know aren't going to be in that sort of uh, you know p- position where they're carrying multiple multiple SIM cards. But in this case, it certainly worked out well for me. So what I did, I was able to use uh, Telecom's ten dollar a day um, data roaming. Now. For those uh, who haven't used this, the way that it works is you pay ten dollars a day, and you're you're given uh, they not exactly unlimited use, but they say sort of fair use. It should be similar to what you use at home uh, data for ten dollars a day. Now, uh, when I look at what I use at home, um, it, it's not a it's not a huge amount. You know, maybe it's. Uh, um, 
Hmm, what would the numbers be? Um, fifty meg a day, something something like that. At, at you know, on a on a on average, probably a little bit less, thirty to fifty meg a day. Uh, and so I was curious how I would go because when you're travelling, you often use a lot more data. Well, so. that's that's the, that's the thing, Paul. When I go, when I, I mean, I work from home, so mm. I've got Wi-Fi mm. at home. Mm. I don't use um, the mobile network much you know data yeah i go away for a trip to a conference or something and that's all i'm using you're using so, data all day yeah, yeah 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 well i guess that 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 was what i uh that was what i found uh and um so i was using probably in the in in the direction of 200 200 megs a day yeah. and what i would find is once i busted through around 100 megs that telecom would send me a text and remind me that, hey, this is fair use. Uh, it's supposed to be similar to what you're using in New Zealand. Uh, on one occasion I did, I think I went over uh, I went over 200 megs in a day. And at that point, uh, I didn't have any more data from telecom for the rest of the day, uh, which is an interesting approach. Now, so I spoke to telecom about it and, uh, you know, I was curious just, you know, what the thresholds were and, and how it worked. And, you know, they, they so they talked about these, um, there being some thresholds in place behind the scenes, which they don't, I don't think they list on their website. But my pick was that it was 100 megs was sort of the soft limit where they alert you. 200 megs is when, when, they're, when they're sort of drawing the line, uh, as it were. Uh, now... Uh, so yeah, on that occasion it stopped. But what they've advised is they're just actually tomorrow they're launching a change, which means if you get to that uh, the that maximum limit, rather than cutting you off, they will actually give you an option to keep going. But you'll be paying for it, and I'm guessing you'll be paying for it at a per meg type rate. Yeah. That was the way it came across to me. So if you really need more than 200 megs a day, you can use it. I imagine the rates on that will be. Um, yeah, it'll be reasonably expensive. But whatever, we'll, we'll whatever see it costs when they, you, when they announce that tomorrow, Paul. Whatever it costs you, it will cost you less than using free Wi-Fi in Hong Kong. <laughs> Why do you say that, Bill? Because it's just not secure in a place like that. Fair point. Yeah. Fair point. Yeah, you have to. You do have to be cautious of using some of those free services. Um, so yeah. So my experience was it worked well having that sort of ten. Um, uh, ten ten dollar a day type option. Now, to be fair on 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 Vodafone, um, they do they did have various data bundles that you could uh, that you could get, and um, the 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 data bundle for uh, that covers Hong Kong, I believe, is to get two hundred megs would be uh, would be fifty. New Zealand dollars, so yeah, a, a reasonable step up. Not uh, maybe I made it out to be a a, a a bit more than that when I said mortgage my home, but um, I mean certainly these rates have come down a lot. And if you really need to do business in in, in some of these markets, uh, and that's the cost of it, then uh, then away you go. Um, but there are there are and there are other countries that they've got that are. Um, um, even much higher rates than that, but, um, but it's, you know, it's, Hong it's, Kong and, and and Taiwan, yep, expensive, but um, it's not the know. thousands of dollars we were seeing. Not that not no. that we used to see. Um, there are a bunch of countries um, that are probably less um, less visited by some, uh, where you still pay a hundred dollars for twenty five megs worth of data. So that's 
yeah, what does that equate to? Um, yeah, two dollars fifty a meg. If you're able to buy the hundred dollar bundle, you can pay thirty dollars for five megs at the at the at the bottom end. Um, and although that includes uh, places like Afghanistan, where not too many of us would be travelling on holiday, <laughs> um, in there also is Rarotonga, uh, Samoa, uh, New Caledonia. Um, India and various other places that that you know will, New Zealanders will uh, you know will will visit on a reasonably frequent uh, frequent basis. I think I'd go to Rarotonga to get away from. <laughs> well, I guess this is the message that it sends, doesn't it? And and even Thailand, which is interesting because in Thailand you can buy a SIM card yeah. very very cheaply and get uh, yeah lots of data at a reasonably low price. So yeah, there are still some challenges with this international roaming, but uh, a good. Good to see. There's a bit of competition anyway between our our uh, our two main networks and and two degrees of um yeah obviously playing in the, the roaming space as, as well. Um, the other thing from two degrees which we won't cover off this week is their uh, 4G LTE network. Uh, that's up and running um now from a from a sort of a test perspective, so not open to uh, uh, the public. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll report back on on having a play around with that uh, next week because I haven't had too much of a, a chance over the last few days to uh, to try it out. But I've got a handset and a, and a SIM card here to uh, to try and uh, just see how uh, how they go. But it, it's good to see that, that side of things stepping forward. Um, now, Bill, ultra-fast broadband. We love having fast broadband. Um, there's been the announcement uh, just in the last few days from uh, ultra-fast fibre who cover, I think, about 10 parts of, of New Zealand. So uh, pretty much everything between Auckland and Wellington, I think, on the North North Island. Yeah, not quite. Chorus covers some some yeah. of those areas, but they, they've, they've certainly got uh, uh, Tauranga, uh, Hamilton. New Plymouth. Uh, New Plymouth. Uh, is it uh, Wanganui in there as well? Um, they've got a, a yeah. bunch of parts, yeah, of the country that they, of the, the North Island that they do cover. And uh, they've announced... A, a well, some some new wholesale plans for um, for internet providers, um, right up to a gigabit connection to the home, with a wholesale price of uh, I think it's sixty five dollars. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty exciting, isn't it? It's thrilling. It's the it's the um, it's the gigatown um, model, I suppose. The problem is is we haven't heard of any ISPs actually offering that as a. Um, product yet now okay it's early days and maybe they haven't got their ducks in a row to do so um, they're going to need to have something special in the way of backhaul and and so on to handle that probably need a, a huge pipe um, through the southern cross cable network as well if they're going to have that kind of um, speeds going on um, and it's unlikely to be cheap because that all that's going to cost quite a lot to provide out the back of um, the I mean the 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 local gigabyte speed is, is only really from your house to the exchange. It's the rest of it, which is going to be the um, the costly part of the transaction. Yeah, well, I mean, the gigabit fibre is being offered in a number of uh, markets around the world, and it's not always ridiculously expensive. And I guess there's, you know, there's maybe some some reasons for that in terms of what people will do with it at the moment. I mean, if we look at the unlimited uh, UFB plans now, I think you know for ninety nine dollars you can get a slower speed one, a, you know, yeah. a, a thirty megabits down, ten up. We're talking, uh, you know, thirty times that performance. Now, 
if we look at that $99 plan, I think the uh, wholesale component from uh, from uh, Chorus or, or the other providers is uh, sits sits just under the $40 yeah. uh, mark. So the other uh, you know, 60 odd dollars in there is is what the ISP needs to be able to deliver the service, customer support, bandwidth, etc. Um, in simple terms, you say, well, if we're going from you know a, a 30 meg unlimited to a gigabit, we need to multiply that figure for the ISP by uh, by 30 times to to bring it up. That's and you, probably you, a bit high. <laughs> and and you'd have a very very high figure for your yeah. uh, um, for your home internet connection. But in reality, the figures wouldn't be that high, would they? No, but they'd and most still people be... wouldn't be using 30 times as much data. If they had a gigabit connection, but there would be some that would uh, would really go to town, wouldn't they? But have, I reckon, uh, I reckon you'll be looking at hundreds of dollars, not many, not maybe, not maybe not as much as five hundred, but certainly up in the um, you know three four hundred dollars range um, in order to pay for that. Well, you know, there's going to be people that are going to do that. It's a hundred dollars a week. You know, there are. I'm certainly, I'm sure some of the people listening would be doing that. Well, if it was if it was available for me, I would be uh, I'd be working out a way to uh, to to get connected up. So yeah, uh, I'd be thinking about it. Um, yeah, I think I mean that's pretty impressive. It would be it would be um, fun trying to uh, yeah see all the things you could do to take advantage of having that much uh, that much bandwidth. So yeah, pretty pretty exciting, I think. So it's it's great to see our um, uh, the LFCs, the local fibre companies uh, around the country. You know, really. Innovating a little bit, not not just sticking with, uh, you know, the things that they were contracted to in terms of plans. Yeah, by, I, li- uh, I like their the agreements with that. Crown yeah. Fiber. So that that's good. Um, interestingly, I noticed on the the announcement that um, the one of the owners of Ultrafast Fiber is now Crown Fiber Holdings. Uh, I hadn't noticed that uh, previously. So. Um, there might be a little bit of an ownership um, rejig that's happened behind the scenes there. Um, yes, I've. Got some information about that sort of thing. Fascinating. <laughs> right. We'll pay, we'll save that one for uh, for for another day. Um, now, another thing uh, that we have sitting here, Bill. That oh you, yes, you've been quite enamoured with. Yes, is it's not a. It looks it looks from a distance a little bit like a white iPad, or a very big phone, or a very big phone. Um, when you look at it close up. It looks very much like a Samsung Galaxy S5 um, that has kind of been uh, been stretched. It's very much the same design, isn't it, as the Galaxy S5? Yeah. Uh, the wide home button that um, uh, sits here and so on. Um, it's like a big one. It's just like a really big phone. It's um, we're talking about, of course, the tablet. The um, this was Samsung this, Galaxy S that was a, an, announced at the end of last week. That's right. And we're looking here at the. Is this the eight inch model? I think it is. Yeah, I think it's eight eight point four. Yeah, yeah. And this and there's a ten there's a ten inch model too. It's got such a beautiful display. It's um, it's nice and light. It's lighter than anything else. It's a beautiful piece of hardware. It really is. Um, I've got some misgivings about it. I mean, I'm, the, one of, one of the things is, is it's it's shaped the same as a phone with that widescreen approach rather than the sort of squarer four four three, by three, three screen yeah. that the um, Apple uses for the iPads. That's right. Yeah. Which means that you tend to use it differently to the way you would use an iPad, and um, I I find this I find this particular screen format works 
this uh, screen configuration works brilliantly with, say, a Surface, which is a Surface is really like more a PC than a tablet um, with those keyboards and so on. Whereas um, I'm not so sure it's the ideal format for this, but Samsung's going with it. It's um, it's a very nice screen, um, wonderful for watching videos and so on. Mm, and it and it's uh, you know very uh, very high definition there as well. We're talking that sort of QHD type. Uh, resolution so it does put it up sort of resolution wise it, it competes very strongly with the best of what what else is out there um but it's that super amoled screen that makes it really sort of bright and uh, and punchy isn't it yeah it's noticeably lighter than the ipads um i think we weighed it earlier about 300 grams yeah. the ipad's about 330 340 yeah yeah it's about 340 for the for the uh, ipad mitney with uh, with retina d- display so i mean they're probably um you know going to be different audiences and uh, you know somebody that is a galaxy s5 uh user this is probably the natural uh, natural tablet to go alongside it's also got the fingerprint uh scanner uh, capability and this is the one you slide your finger over rather than just put it on it like uh, you know like you do on the iPhone and it's got this interesting handoff software which where you can um, you can bring your phone screen onto the tablet and um, and control the phone from the tablet which is quite interesting it's not it's, it's interesting that both Apple and Samsung have gone down this handoff approach in the last um, you know few weeks very with, short space of time yeah, yeah very short space yeah. of time and it, they, they're approaching it very differently um, um, I think personally I think that Apple's approach to that is more elegant but it might not be your cup of tea I mean I'm, you know, I can't speak for everyone on how you how you're going to work with these things Paul it's the first non-Apple tablet other, well, let's let's put the Surface to one side a moment. So I I don't regard the Surface as being a direct competitor with the iPad, but this is the first non-Apple tablet, non-Microsoft tablet that I'd like. Um, it's the first one. To that's very me. interesting. You yeah. usually slate anything that's uh, that's got Android on it, uh, Bill, especially in the in the in the tablet area. I think what's changed other than other than the hardware? It's still got the Android. I mean, that's the that's the downside. I mean, really, <laughs> it is. <laughs> But the but Samsung uh, ma- Samsung is making some really nice kit at the moment, and um, and what we have here is we have you know two hardware makers who are right at the top of their game, um, head and head. Uh, yeah, we're getting some real choice, some real competition happening. What about what about the uh, you know the the build of it with the you know. There's often complaints about the the plasticiness of this is the Samsung gear, whereas yeah. you know that's um, that's true. Um, that's, that's part of why we, we're talking about a you know a, 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 you know thirty or forty gram difference with the iPad Mini uh, Retina. Yeah, I don't. Want, I'm it? not going. I'm not going to do this with this model because it's not fair. We might break it. But um, I, I looked at one at the launch the other day and. It's just a hint of flex in it that you don't get with an iPad, which could be a problem um, about you know the, over the life of the thing. Um, I think you're right. I think that, I think Apple still has the build quality, but you know build quality versus um, screen quality is a trade-off. Um, there's going to be people and people who prefer the screen. I think if you're the kind of tablet owner who spends a lot of your time watching video. Uh, and apparently, uh, Samsung was saying at their launch that that is now the most um, common application with tablets. Not my most common application, but it's most common application with other people with tablets. Um, then this is going to be, you know, it's going to be on your shopping list. Mm. Um, 
I, I, I think I'd still give Apple the the nod in terms of the software and the way the software is integrated and so on. But you know, if you're an Android person, you're going to love this. Yeah, I think there's 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 still uh, you know that personal preference in terms of the platforms that people like. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think Samsung uh, Samsung are making some uh, some some very nice some very nice hardware now, and. You know, it's it's hard to look at it and say, "Oh, this is this is rubbish." In in any way, I think it's, no, it's uh, you not. know it's really really nice, uh, you know, piece of kit. Uh, similar sort of prices now between, uh, and this is at the top end of of what Samsung are offering, uh, but you know, similar sort of prices with with the Apple uh, kit. So, yeah, I, I think uh, you know this broad approach that Samsung are taking, which is to have. Yeah, tablets and phones from very low to very yeah. you know to the high end price points uh, is is working out extremely well for them. You know, it's it means any, anyone can be their customer, <laughs> but it is uh, it's, and it's, can afford to be. It's it's a carpet bombing the market. You know, you, you you don't leave any sort of any part of it untouched, really, which is which is quite smart. I think that I think the key for me here is that in the past, if you were an Android phone person and you wanted a tablet, you would you would probably be looking at an ipad if you wanted to you know if you wanted to use a lot of do a lot of tablet work probably after this you won't be that's i think there are a lot of people that would differ uh from you from those you on those comments bill because a lot of um I yeah know. a I lot know. of us that use android to to varying degrees for varying things but um yeah i i i actually like i like both lots of hardware and you know, I think the competition that we're seeing is is a is a good thing. Um, yeah, if you had to pick between the between the two, if you were forced to have one one or the other, what would be? Which way would you go? I'd go. I'd go with the. Um, I'd go with the Apple, but that's because it's it works. You know, it works with the way I work mm-hmm. uh, better. Okay. Um, good. Good. Now, um, one one other product I want to have a qu- just a, a, a quick chat about. Uh, just some experiences on. Um, now this is a rather small product actually it's called the iFi it's been out for a long time actually probably uh, uh, at least a couple of years now and there are now also some competing products in the market but what it is it's a it's a full size SD card uh, with a Wi-Fi capability built into it now I've got a, uh, a digital SLR style uh, camera from uh, from from Sony uh, and what I was able to do was to put this in my camera and then because of that Wi-Fi capability that wasn't built into the camera but was in the, the memory card, uh, I basically fire up a smartphone and, uh, and synchronize my photos across. Uh, in this case, I did it uh, with the iPhone, um, iPhone 5S and basically able to take those gorgeous shots that you can get on your, uh, on your uh, digital SLR uh, and then bring those back into, uh, into the iPhone and then to you know naturally sort of sync up to the cloud and so on. Doesn't doesn't um, Wi-Fi take quite a lot of power? Uh, it does take a bit of power, so it will lessen the uh, the the battery life. But uh, digital SLRs tend to have chunky batteries anyway, so it didn't seem to be um, something that caused me an issue. But it is something I've read about for some uh, that they found that uh, frustrating was that the battery drain. Now the the main concern I had was in my case it was just. It was just taking too long to transfer the photos. Yeah. So what I thought might be it might be really good for is where you're out, you take a whole lot of photos, and then oh, I'd love to tweet that uh, or share that in some way on on social media. And what I found was that 
maybe maybe it's because I take a lot of shots rather than just one or two. I like to you know get a lot and then pick the best. Um, in doing that, it would take quite a while to actually catch up because I was taking a lot of shots. Uh, but it, but it's worth you know considering if you've got a, a you know a camera like that that you would you would love to uh, yeah maybe back up your photos or move your photos off very quickly. Uh, or you you know you want to be using them, um, emailing them, and and so on. Uh, it's it's quite a good way to go, and they're not particularly expensive. These various cards, they're sort of you know, I think starting in the probably in the around the hundred or ninety nine US dollar um, figure is sort of typical. Can you um, can you turn the uh, Wi Fi transmitter off? I don't think you can. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So just worth being aware of. Uh, now, the two other products that we wanted to chat through this week are, um, big, I guess, a bit big, of a, big, big. They're a bit of a follow-on <laughs> from last week. We, we, we talked about at, um, at Computex in, in Taipei, uh, Intel made a big song and dance about 4K screens becoming affordable. And uh, and it seems like they've, you know, that, well, they've, they've announced that they've done a bit of a deal with Samsung to facilitate that. Um, so we've been looking at two 4K screens that don't quite come into the such affordable uh, category. Uh, there's the eight and a half thousand dollar Samsung 65 inch um, curved UHD or 4K TV, um, which we've been having a play around here with uh, over the last few weeks. Now, Bill, we were sitting in front of it before uh, in the room next door. What was what was your take on on it? And we had the sound bar on there as as well, just to bump up the the, the sound because as TVs mm. get slimmer, there's not as much room for a, you know a really fat speaker to be uh, uh, to be in there. And the sound bar is kind of the in between between you know what a TV can produce and what a 5.1 surround uh, system can do. So this was a sound bar uh, with a um, a wireless uh, base speaker sort of paired with it sitting across the room. Um, the, the thing that I noticed most was the beautiful blacks, actually. The uh, fact that when the screen's black, it's really black, which is uh, means that when colours show, they're really nice. You know, the, back, the black background, um, nice and crisp. Uh, very crisp image. Um, it's fast. That's the other thing. Is There's not that sort of delay that you, effect that you get. It's snappy and um, um, fast-moving. I didn't realise it was quite so expensive. Um, I guess that TV makers like Samsung really need to get the um, to have some flagship products at the high end um, to give themselves a bit of room with margin. Yeah, and I think the the prices will certainly come you know come down in time. But you know, there I guess there's a, there's an extra uh, you know. Uh, premium that you're paying for that 4K at the moment, and there's also or, or, or um, UHD, the other uh, name for it, ultra high definition, um, as well as it being a, a curved panel. So yeah, I was going to ask you about the curve. Add in there. I was going to ask you what you made of that curve. I quite like it. It's not a it's not an over the top sort of curve. I thought sitting in front yeah. of it, uh, straight on looked nice, but even at a bit of an angle, it looked. Uh, you know, I didn't. I wasn't sort of feeling. Oh. I you know this isn't quite working at this angle. Which uh, someone today asked me about how how I thought about it from uh, from an angle. If you had a you know a, a lot of people, a big family sitting around uh, watching it, would it be a problem? And no, I, don't uh, I, I don't think it it would be. I think you'll get the best view if you're straight in front of it. I, I, the funny thing is, is having had flat screen TVs for a long, long time, it just feels slightly more natural. 
Yeah, it, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because the old the old days, um, TVs were sort of bent um, in the other way. It was sort of a bit of a bit of a bulge, and we, convex we, 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 instead we, of concave. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and when we went to flat, that was uh, you know that that was just you know fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, the the. Uh, um, the the concave sort of feeling is uh, is very very good. I was um, yeah, I, I, I quite like it. Um, now I think there these um, the TVs are available in a fifty five, sixty five, and uh, also a seventy eight inch. <laughs> so um, you've got an aircraft hangar or something. <laughs> mm, mm. So um, yeah, so pretty impressive uh, there. Now I. I might I might need to check that pricing. Actually, I've got eight eight and a half as the price. Um, I'm pretty sure that's for the for the sixty five. I think it might be a step up if you go for a seventy eight. Bill, would you be able to fit the seventy eight in your um no. in your lounge? Would would that be uh, useful to you? I think the sixty five would probably be a bit big for us actually. Um, and I don't like to be so dominated by the TV at home. I think it's great when you're out somewhere else. Uh, big screen, but no, I'm not such a big, I'm not such a fan of the biggest screens. Unlike you, Paul. Well, I and I and I'm still a fan of the uh, the projector too. And uh, actually, uh, the uh, the 4K projector that I saw from Panasonic at CES, uh, I've been told I've got to wait until uh, towards the end of the year before I can get my hands on oh. uh, on one of those. So uh, they're still a little way off. Um, but never mind. Now, um, one more Samsung um, ultra high definition screen, and and this is now coming down to what uh, will probably become the norm in the not too distant future uh, as a UHD screen or a 4K screen for uh, to to sit on your computer or to connect to your uh, your PC or or your laptop. Uh, maybe at some stage to your uh, tablet. I know the. Um, uh, the Microsoft Surface Pro 3 can drive a, a 4K screen. Uh, but this one's the 28-inch Samsung uh, UHD screen. And it's only just arrived, so I haven't even had a chance to get the right, uh, the perfect cables for it. Um, but running this uh, 4K definition, I've got it running on the Mac Pro, um, which is a, a phenomenally powerful system to be uh uh, using and the Mac Pro can can drive a, a bunch of these screens, not just one or two, uh, which which is is rather nice. I haven't quite got room on my desk for uh, <laughs> for, for for running a bunch of them, but uh, it still it looks very very good on uh, on the Mac Pro. And the thing Apple have done with their most recent update uh, is you can now adjust uh, your display of type and menus and, and icons and so on so that they blow up, um, you know, they're a bit bigger rather than them shrinking down really small, which is what was the case, uh, you know, previously when you had a 4K screen, all the menus and so on were really uh, tiny, which I found I had to get really close to uh, to use. But with the latest update to iOS X, it, it solves that. I was using a, a Samsung monitor the same size as that um, with my PC previously and um it's really noticeable when you look at this the, uh, the the difference in the image quality um is that is that a red using a retina display there well retina display is sort of the app as the yeah. apple term for for what they include on some of their devices and i guess 
you know, 4K at this sort of size uh, very much falls into yeah. into that category. And I imagine at some stage Apple may well, uh, you know, re- release an Apple uh, you know, monitor at this sort of definition. They won't be buying uh, and, it from and, Samsung, and, <laughs> and they would, and they would. Um, well, they they might well yeah. have to. Yeah. Um, they seem to be the the big player making these yeah. things. So, yeah, very very nice piece of kit, and uh, yeah, available now from or well, just launching in New Zealand from uh, from Samsung. I'm not quite sure how far away till till they've sort of got uh, got stock. I think they've they've probably just got two or three of these. Uh, in New Zealand at the moment, um, Lenovo had made an announcement a couple of weeks ago that they had a, a similar product, a, uh, a 28 inch uh, 4, 4K uh, monitor, and you know, of course, we, we're expecting, according to Intel, that you know, for um, certainly um, you know, a reasonable amount under the thousand dollar figure, we should be getting a 23 inch 4K uh, monitor from. Uh, various vendors over the next few months as well so uh yeah it's going to be uh it's going to be fun to see these um you know really lovely sharp uh, monitors become reasonably mainstream and of course i guess intel's reason for uh, driving and pushing this stuff into the market is it encourages people to be buying their latest and greatest and upgrading their laptops well, and, 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 and pcs and so yeah. on to uh to drive these high def screens but i say bring it on it's uh it's really nice having that extra uh, that extra definition on your screen do you need it for most stuff? No, probably not. Uh, but it it is uh, it is really nice to uh, really nice to have. And it certainly is justification for a much higher power processor. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, that wraps us up for uh, for this week on the uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast. So uh, thank you everyone for listening in. Now I should uh, I should mention we have some other podcasts which you can find out about on the uh, Global Voice Media website at globalvoicemedia.com. Uh, the newest one added to our family uh, this week we had uh, the guys from a um, a politically oriented podcast. Um, the sl- slightly correct political show um has been added to to our roster so uh if you're uh, if you're interested in a bit of politics and uh and maybe a bit of humor thrown in there as well then that one's uh well well worth checking out um the guys behind it are um jeremy elwood who's who's well known in comedy circles around new zealand and uh toured the various international comedy festivals in glasgow and and uh, Edinburgh and um, Australia and so on. Uh, Chris Brain, another comedian, um, and uh, Pat Brittenden, who um, pretty well respected uh, broadcaster there as well. So um, there's some some guys with some interesting opinions to share, and uh, yeah, well worth the listen if you've got some some time after um, after all the other things that you're listening to. Um, particularly as we head into the um, the election season here in New Zealand, um, and other than that, Bill, how do we track you down online? Uh, Bill Bennett NZ on Twitter, BillBennett.co.nz on the website. Excellent, uh, and you can track me, Paul Spain, on uh, on uh, at Paul Spain on Twitter, and I'm across the various other social networks and uh, TechJungle.com and PaulSpain.com. Um, you'll also find my blogs and bits and pieces. Uh, at those places and uh, of course uh, NZ Tech Podcast of course is is online and, and across the various social networks too so hey thanks everyone very much for uh, for joining us again uh, this week uh, we do appreciate you listening in and uh, always keen to hear your feedback so feel free to hit us up through any of those uh, uh, channels or uh, or through the website okay see ya